0: Welcome to the Modernizer Dive Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome back to another Modernizer Dive Podcast, the CFML News Edition. It's September twenty second, twenty twenty. I am Gavin Ficken, a software consultant for Order Solutions. Who are you? And I'm and I'm Brad
1: Wood, the guy who sits next to Gavin Pickin.
0: Yep. Okay. Well, first up, let's thank our sponsors, order Solutions. Without them, we wouldn't be able to make this podcast, or at least we will be paying a lot more for it. So, uh, thank you, Autodesk, for uh, funding this podcast. And if you want to say thank you back to Autis, you can. Uh, do some trainings. So we have two ColdBox virtual workshops coming up in October. And so you can register for those. We'll tell you more about them a little later. And CF is our subscription service for all the great learning out there. And you can get free and paid content. There's new stuff every week. So there's two ways you can say thank you back to order solutions. A third way, is patreon so patreon.com slash order solutions uh, is a place you can go and check out all the different packages where you can um, throw a few dollars our way uh, and say thank you for our open source projects and the podcast and right now we're about 60 percent funded so this podcast is more funded by patreon supporters than they are by order solutions right now so that's pretty cool (sighs) Yeah. So if you go to. Who would have
1: thought people want to hear us blabber all the time?
0: I know. Maybe they're what trying to suckers. pay us to shut up. Oh, wait,
1: is my mic on? <laughs>
0: yeah. So uh, if you want to join the Patreon group, go to patreon.com slash order solutions and we'll thank them at the end of the show. Okay. News. So a couple News. of things this week. Uh, looks like Lucy released a new uh, release candidate for 5.3.7. <coughs> so that they was released did. last week
1: yeah the original 537 um release candidate came out quite a while ago um sorry i'm googling real quick see if i can find the discourse post um i don't see where it is uh but yeah it, it's been quite a while there were actually some people um asking on the the discourse forum for lucy if uh if 537 had been like abandoned um and uh i'd reply to some people so no it's not abandoned it's just dragging its feet a little here we go so the the dot 34 release candidate for 537 came out may 29th uh so oh. yes, it's been a hot minute um usually what lucy does is when they release a major version uh the release candidate for the next version will will release the same time so whatever the snapshot build uh is turns a release candidate and whatever the release candidates turns final so yeah it's basically been since 536 came out a little bit afterwards um, but it, it kind of sat there for a while. There were a handful of regressions, but um, it didn't have any movement uh, to the point where people were kind of like, is this going to come out? So I believe there were a few regressions that were addressed. And so they cut a second release candidate. And I don't know how long this one will be in the release candidate phase, but hopefully not long because um, I'm sure there's, there's fixes in there. People are wanting to to get to. But uh, it's already on ForgeFox, but as Kai Koenig pointed out, uh, there appears to be some kind of issue with Lucy's update server and um, the the URL that we hit to get the Forgebox engine from Lucy is sending back the Forgebox Lite engine in both cases. Um, so if you try to test on the newest RC, uh, it appears right now it's giving us Forgebox Lite. So I have a, a message out to the Lucy bods to figure out what's going on with that. So um, I, I, I want to say, please go test it, but um, <laughs> you may actually have problems testing it. So. Sorry about that. We're trying to figure out what's up with that. But
0: plus, I'm sure you want um, to get ready and start working on 538, because that's where your query of query stuff is being merged into, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Screw this 537 stuff. That's that's yesterday's news. Wimble 538 release. Yeah, so all the query query stuff we've been talking about for the last few weeks has been merged, yay, into the, the core of Lucy. Um, and it's on the latest snapshot builds of 538. So that's all the enhancements and improvements that I helped do for a client of Ortis's. Um And I have a whole blog post that talks about it. I won't go over it all again, but I'm super excited. This is definitely the largest chunk of code I've had merged into Lucy. Um, and I only had to harass like a, a medium small amount. So Wow. Well, it was pretty I'm impressive all that. the work you did and the,
0: the blog post you wrote about it and if you guys didn't see it, go back and watch last week's episode. We kind of walked through a little more and talk about it more. So uh, definitely definitely worth checking out. but it's it's pretty crazy the differences and some of the stuff you wrote is even better than <coughs> Adobe's uh, query of query support now in a lot of cases, right? So
1: yeah, yeah, six of the eight performance tests. Uh, the new Lucy query query support is faster than Adobe Cold Fusion 2018 update 10. Uh, the more complex the query gets, more group buys and, and functions and having stuff, um, the slower Adobe gets and the Lucy stuff stays very fast. And it, it's, it's actually funny. Um, I was giving some code back to a client, a completely different client of Ortis, just this morning, where they also were hitting slow performance in their query queries. They had queries that were taking like 20 seconds. Um, To run and I'm like, oh, wait, (laughs) I know what this is. And sure enough, it was hitting, you know, the hyper sequel stuff. Uh, Unfortunately, they're kind of behind on Lucy versions um, and they're still on a pretty old version uh, of Lucy and not really anywhere close to being able to update to anything new. So I ended up just having to completely rework their code to totally avoid the query queries, which is, uh, you know, an acceptable solution. It's unfortunate since the code they had should have worked fine, uh, but obviously it didn't. yeah i I, re- I reduced the time of their page down to like 1 second uh, after i moved the 20 second <laughs> query queries so um it, it's it's kind of amazing how many how many places i've seen this pop up now that i i researched the slow query query stuff and i'm looking at code i'm like wait a minute you're not using query queries are you oh yep that that's the reason <laughs> so
0: yeah that's why so many people tell us to avoid it all the time and you know for good reason but yeah there's other ways to do it you know i so. wouldn't
1: say good reason but i would say reason
0: well i mean <laughs> 20 seconds it's a pretty good reason in most people's books
1: well, well no what but what i'm implying when i say that is that it it was negligent that lucy's existing query queries implementation was so bad and had been left that way for so long so there was not a good reason why Lucy's query query was slow, but it was definitely slow, which is why I say it was a reason, but not a very good reason, but it won't be, it won't be a reason at all. Hopefully for, for most pretty soon. people, crash your fingers.
0: Yep. Hopefully uh, five, three, eight gets out there pretty quick and uh,
1: yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, if Lucy follows the typical cycle when five, three, seven goes final, which hopefully will be, I'm hoping within this, but you know, within a month, Um, if not sooner, 538 should go into release candidates so people can start, you know, hitting on it and testing it at that point.
0: Very cool. Okay, so next up we have um, some online CF meetups to announce. So this week on Thursday, the 24th at 11 a.m. Central, uh, we have Dan Skaggs and he's been doing isolation is a good thing for your local div environments. So this one's kind of neat. He's going to show you how to use Docker for your local environment and how to keep things separate. Uh, obviously, uh, if you're using old school install your server on your machine without command box, you'd have to set up all your cold fusion, you know, server a certain way, get all your settings, right. And then you change a different project. And then all of a sudden, all those settings are the complete opposite of what you need for this project. So command box does go, uh, you know, partway there with the CF config and setting up separate instances as part of command box. But he's going to show how to use Docker and how to get this set up locally. Uh, so you can get a perfectly configured development environment uh, and you can even ask it. I'm what Docker implement. image
1: he's going to be showing. He doesn't actually say in the description. Yeah,
0: I'm curious too. Uh, obviously uh, we use Docker for some local stuff, but to be honest, command box does so much of it so well. I know a lot of times we just use command box instead yeah. of the Docker locally. Um, but
1: there's I diff- do, but I'm, I'm pretty opinionated about it No, yeah. I'm totally biased, but I, <laughs> do, do, local Docker is a last resort for me because command box in my, from, from my, the projects I work on gets me like 95% of the way there. So I'm like, yeah, no, I totally am good. Um, yeah. But, especially uh, when you got
0: .env for environment variables and all that, <clears> and <throat> you, you separate, you know, admin, see if config does I, most of it.
1: The, the, the the projects that we've used Docker at Ordis that I, I think it, it does make a good deal of sense is times when we're doing a Docker Composed and we have, you know, the Cold Fusion, uh container and then we have like a Redis container or a SQL Server container, you know, and these yeah. are all, you know, booted up as part of one service inside of Docker. Yeah, I was going to um, say, as soon know, as you start
0: throwing the caching engines in there, if you want to have, you know, Couchbase, Elasticsearch, Redis, that yeah. type of stuff, then it makes perfect sense. Now,
1: I just tend to use like a local RAM cache, but if you're on Adobe ColdFusion, you, you don't always have, it's not as flexible as lucy but that's definitely when you get into the world of things that command box doesn't address like giving you a database or giving you you know a redis cache that that you can just spin up and down so i'll I'll definitely admit there are some there are some places where it can be pretty cool
0: Yep. So that's a good one. That's coming up Thursday, September 24th. And last week they did their first live stream. Uh, So it was actually streaming live on YouTube and available instantly. Um, And that last week, it was uh, Ray Camden, Brian Rinaldi and Dan Wilson. And they did a using CF APIs with the Jamstack. So that was actually pretty interesting. There was a little internal arguing about what Jamstack actually is. (laughs) So uh, it was it was kind of a good one but that was last Thursday September the 17th and the recording is online at YouTube uh, as well but it was kind of interesting um you know Ray and Brian are working on um a, a new book for Jamstack stuff but uh there was a you know a nice little CFAPI Dan Wilson did a presentation on the API manager a few weeks back and didn't write any code but this time he actually wrote a little uh, API in Taffy so uh that was interesting And then uh, I've got a couple of sessions coming up soon on building APIs as well. But yeah, so if you missed with that one or, or any of the other ones, yeah, we have. I'm gonna do two, so one will be like legacy code and how to do it the one way, and then I'll show you how to do it the right way with box and the REST <laughs> template, and you know, we'll show you how to use Swagger Docs and all the cool tools and modern ways. But you know, some people just need to add a little, you know, API file here or there, or just a little piece, and you know, like Taffy's great, but do you really want to, you know, extend your application CFC onto Taffy, you know, so basically the first session will be just like, hey, here's your first touch into APIs, get it working. And then the next one will be like, okay, this is how you do it with, you know, we we'll use a framework, we we'll use ColdBox, we we'll use the rest template and we'll build all those other things in. So, so yes, yeah, so I'm doing a two part session series. You know? So basically all the things that are tough in the first one, we'll show you how to do it the easy way in the second one, so.
1: Yep. Charlie has a comment here in the chat that uh, Adobe coolfusion Fusion 2018 added in some expanded uh, caching support Uh, They did, and I'll still hold my position that Adobe Fusion's caching support is absolutely crap compared to Lucy's. Lucy is a full-blown enterprise caching system where you can have as many caches to find with whatever type of provider, including your own custom implementation of providers. Um, You can assign all those caches to query cache, template cache, function cache. Um, I'm missing like six other caches, session cache, cache, client cache, right? You can configure them all in application.cfc. You can swap out back-end caching engines on your local environment to be Ram cache, but Redis on on production. Um Adobe Call Fusions cache implementation is a mere fraction of that functionality. Um it's very hard-coded to just a couple implementations. I am, if you cannot tell, woefully unimpressed <laughs> with with Adobe's offering. And that is why I I said that Lucy gives you a phenomenal amount of additional flexibility when it comes to local caching so anyway thank you for at least bringing that up charlie but uh, uh, adobe got went from like two percent of lucy's functionality to three percent hopefully they'll make it the rest of the way eventually yeah i mean
0: especially (laughs) with all the you know all the new stuff dockerization stuff microservices i mean yeah and with all the cloud offerings too a lot of the cloud offerings that they're pushing in 2020 it's nice to see that uh you know all those offerings are there why not take advantage of them you know so all those cloud platforms have their own redis you know and,
1: well, and that's actually else. what's nice now is it's easier just to spin up like some managed redis instances you know and then tie into it with whether it's adobe or lucy i kind of like that because that's always you know when you're when you're doing hosting and you're like oh hey let's use redis for something well guess what now you have to manage redis <laughs> and you have to figure out what to do when redis goes down and how to back up redis so it, it does get nicer on a lot of the managed platforms where you can say you know i'm on azure or aws or whatever and i want you know a managed redis instance so yep makes it a lot digital easier. ocean
0: has uh managed redis <clears throat> now as well as well as your postgres oh, nice. and mysql so yeah i want to try that out actually i want to play with it some so mm-hmm. Cool. Well, um, so those are the online meetup updates, but we also have the oldest webinar this week. So I'm going to be talking about modern cold fusion, no more copy and paste, of course, copy we will be co- we will be copying and pasting, <laughs> but uh, we will be doing it a slightly smarter way. So last week we decided uh, we want to be dry and don't repeat yourself. We don't want to be wet, right? What was the wet one? wasted oh, geez, we can- <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: our people came up with several uh, wet acronyms and i don't think i wrote any of them down we can go back and you'll
0: yeah, we'll have to go back and look at the comments for last week but they're pretty funny i might actually use them inside the presentation so I'll have like to make ri-
1: right every time wasn't that one of them
0: yeah right every time i think was a good wit one but mm-hmm. yeah so but yeah so we'll look at different ways to you know basically you know improve improve your programming process, uh, make your life easier to maintain code, etc. So, uh, we'll look at things and as Scott said in the chat, like snippets and you now snippets are great and everything, but we'll, we'll show you some tools to make your life even better. So, um, so I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be Friday, September 25th. So this Friday, um, at 9am Pacific, 11 central. Um, so if you want to hear me talk even more, uh, you can shop <laughs> to that. Autosolutions.com slash events slash webinars. You can go sign up for that and then uh, we'll see you then. And then obviously we have a chat in there. So you guys got questions. I can even you know, show you some code, but i got some interesting things I should, should be something interesting for everybody. So, so I might even get so we some... Have some
1: new CF co- cast content looks like, right?
0: Yep. So CF Cast every week we try and release some um, some new content, and this last week we added some more to the CF Config series. And so that's not you; mm-hmm. it's always good no, to have somebody else doing it. It's, so it's Grant's doing a good job, it. right?
1: Yeah, Grant Copley's been doing all of the CF Config um, content on CF Cast. So
0: yeah, so a couple great. of new ones there. So one is seeing <laughs> your changes. So after you make changes, you better see them, and then looking at JSON storage. Uh, and so. So yeah, uh, CF Cast has got a, a lot of content in here. I'm just gonna share my screen for those who you're watching. If you go to browse, you can see all the latest content that has been there. So you can see we had a couple just released six days ago and then we've got more content Released over the last so many days, so we're getting quite a few series now. Uh, we're really starting to to spruce them up. So we've got supercharge your VS Code environment. That's my series that I have to add a few more videos on. The configure your CFML servers with CF Config has four now. What's new and quick? We have one. I thought there was more more than that, but what's new and QB has a couple.
1: It might be queued up for publishing.
0: Yep. So the but, the, yeah. the
1: the the uh takeaway here is you'd better sign up for cf cast now because eventually there's gonna be so much content you're gonna have to binge watch like 20 hours of cf cast screen screencast so you know don't delay or it's gonna be like when a series comes out of netflix and you have 30 hours of stuff to watch
0: yep <laughs> <laughs> pretty much and then if you do miss the webinar we will be publishing it here on cf cast and our oldest webinars see we already have 11 so far uh, you know, almost 11 hours of webinar content already, and these are all free. Some of the other ones are not free. Uh, so as you click around, you'll see which ones are and aren't. Um, but yeah, we're adding more content all the time. So, yeah,
1: so definitely sign up for a CFcast account, because even if you're not paying for our, our paid content, we still have a lot of free stuff that goes up there. Um, so we have one consolidated place for all of our content. That, that's That's a problem we always had in the past. We had a lot of webinars and things. And the recordings would be halfway in Adobe Connect and some will be on YouTube, some will be on Vimeo. This kind of gives us one consolidated place to put everything. And the icing on the cake is the paid content that's updated on a weekly basis there.
0: Yep, exactly. We're we're trying to make sure we get all that content out. Like I said, we have a lot of series that we're just, you know, doing a few videos and just releasing them. So we're trying to make it so you always have something fresh and new there for you. So and then if you have any recommendations, the there's a support page there that you can recommend what you want to see. And we've got lots of ideas, lots of content planned, but uh we're always looking for ideas on what you really want to see. Okay, so next up, let's talk conferences. Conferences. So conferences also in, include workshops, and into the box workshops have been spread out over the entire year. It seems uh, we're just gonna you know, just keep doing them all the time. So we have a, a couple of workshops scheduled for October. So we have the two-day workshop um, on Callbox Zero to Hero, which I'm running, and then we have the two-day workshop. Uh, cobox here to superhero by Luis, and so mine is October eighth and ninth, and then two weeks later, October twenty second and twenty third, Luis will be doing the superhero training. So I, mean, you I th- can't
1: wait till we have in person workshops again. I miss them so much. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say you actually uh you know helped Luis with that one a couple times now, and you even led it by yourself in Germany, right, last year.
1: Um, the API edition, yeah.
0: Yep. And so, yeah, so they're they're good workshops. We get a lot of, you know, a lot of good feedback from them. And a lot of people who do, do the first one, the zero to hero end up doing the hero to superhero, usually right after or the next time they can. So um, mm-hmm. definitely recommend doing those those trainings. The The podcast 10 discount code still applies. So you can save uh, 10% mm-hmm. by entering that when you register and you can find out all about them at com slash events.
1: Yeah, when I do the hero to superhero, I spend the entire first day on just command box bullet train. We really just deep dive.
0: Well, that's what everybody wants to see. I know. <laughs> bullet train is like the coolest thing ever.
1: Yeah, I that, wish that, I. Could... I said that for Vildebrun. So mm-hmm. he, he loves it when I when I spend just a lot of time on on command box bullet train.
0: Yeah. Okay, so next up, um, next week, September thirtieth, we have JF conf.dev jconf.dev i keep saying jsconf dang it (laughs) yeah so jconf.dev java conference and that's going to be online at jconf.dev it's free to register so go check that out it's going to be 9 a.m to 4 p.m central on the 30th so
1: and listen to all the vencat sessions
0: yeah that's all the reason i'm signing up for i'll listen to the others but yeah i like vencat stuff too Okay, we also have Adobe Cold Fusion Summit 2020 coming up, and that's going to be in November, November 17th mm-hmm. through the 19th. Three day online conference, and it is free. You can find out more from cfsummit.adobeevents.com, and the speakers are now being listed on the site as well. So let me right share on. my screen. And you can see that there are some of the speakers being listed in here. So a few regulars in here, some some faces we know.
1: George is in there. Yep. Dan Skaggs.
0: And so, uh, cool. yeah, should be getting more session information up there soon, but it's definitely a good conference, it's free. So why not sign up and get what you can? And then if you miss the sessions, they usually provide the recordings later too, whether they're freely available or just to those who register, uh, best to be safe and register anyway. Cool. And then next up, um, the Adobe Confusion certification is now online as well. They have an introductory offer for that of four I'm not sure if that was the same price before, but uh, I think the price is going to be going up with the online offering and everything. So um, if you guys want to find out more, you can find out um, more on the Adobe.com site and they have a, a lot of information. They tell you all the cool things you get with it. Like you get a cool certificate and a special badge you put on there, the com site. Um, and there's, you know, they list, they list you as a professional there as well. So um, apparently there's 50 plus online videos and it's about, uh, I think they said 10 hours worth of video. I thought it was 50 hours at one point, but no, it's just, it's 10 hours of video. I think they've broken them up into smaller, you know, bite-sized pieces. But you have a basically a multiple choice test at the end. If you pass, then you get the cool certificate and all the glory that goes with it.
1: All the glory. Yeah, the website says introductory offer next to the 499 price, but it doesn't really have any details on what the, the limitations are and how, how long that's available or what it will change to. So yeah, I guess sign up now before it goes up. <laughs> yep,
0: exactly. Very cool. Uh, as we mentioned last year, uh, last week, <coughs> CF Camp is not happening this year. Um, uh, they released a letter on the so on the website, cfcamp.org, but they didn't want to do an online version when there's so many online conferences already, uh, especially in this time of the year. Um, so they decided to hold out for the real life where they can do it properly and do it justice because it'd be really hard to put the dogs on Zoom, they said. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. So we're looking forward to that
0: next year. Yep, so hopefully we're back in action next year. All going well. Okay, so that's a wrap-up of your conferences. blogs, tweets, and videos. Yep, so let's get on with it. So talking about um, VIL, um, this has actually been a, a topic that was discussed in Slack this week about QB, mm-hmm. auto-detecting your bind variables in SQL. And so, long story short, um, you don't want to... You know not use cf query params when you're doing queries because we know sql injection is bad uh so don't do that so usually when you do a query you have you know the sql type that you give it integer or numeric depending uh and depending on if you're using Lucy or cold fusion and the different versions you have to use specific types And they've got way more flexible these days but with QB, one of the things it does is it tries to auto detect it for you. So um, if you give it a user ID, it'll try and figure out what it should use for the query param type. The issue is is that it doesn't guess right all the time, and so uh-huh. so Ville basically goes through all the all the you know examples here. It's really nice detailed um, post, but <clears> he <throat> shows you how to you know use QB and actually pass in the the SQL type that you want to use. Um, because if you don't, this is how QB will actually go through the process of figuring out what you're using. And most of the problem comes down to is date is what it uses to figure out if something is a date or not to use a timestamp. But as we've had a conversation before in previous uh, weeks, that a lot of things that you would never think would be a date <laughs> are actually considered a date. and yeah, so- you have to be
1: careful with this date because you can like you said i mean you have some random number and is 23 true yeah 23 (laughs) that's a date
0: what 24 is not 23 is. that's the
1: danger of these Mm. loosely typed systems
0: yeah and so um yeah basically you walk through them and taking numeric values but basically if it's you know you should be thorough you know, put that in there. That's sort of the short of it. And so that was a really good blog post. If you guys are using QB, uh, definitely recommend reading that. Uh, again, like I said, that was sort of a summary of all the conversations on the box team Slack about that this week. So
1: thanks. <clears throat> yeah, and for, he does uh, have a note in here that Lucy and Adobe cold fusion 2018 do a better job of detecting things like numbers. Uh, but if you're on Adobe cold fusion 2016 or prior, that's still in the dark ages of everything's a string behind the scenes. Even, you know, the number two is a Java Lang string. So you get a lot of those false uh, false matches if you're on 2016 or earlier.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, we have a, a blog from, I think it's, the, the name is Samuel Joe, so it's set up as Joe Samuel, Samuel Joe, uh, but from Adobe and it's actually on the Adobe portal and it's Samuel and call fusion. And so this is a rough overview using SAML feature in Call Fusion twenty well, it says twenty twenty one. It does. But um but yeah, basically using the for like a Samuel. Is that a hint
1: that that CF twenty twenty is gonna actually turn into twenty twenty one before it releases? Yeah, (laughs) maybe. Available but, in ColdFusion 2021. That's hilarious.
0: Yeah. So the and they approved the this post. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, so basically it goes through how to implement single S you know, a simple SSO application using Cold Fusion SAML. And so if you've ever done SAML uh SSO stuff, it's not simple. So uh the fact that it can be simple might be a, a pretty good uh selling point for uh Cold Fusion 2020 or 2021, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so it, it talks about the basis, you know, like, okay, there's this principal, service provider, and then identity provider. And so it you know, walks you through the whole process. And so if you guys are uh, using Adobe Core Fusion and you're dealing with SAML, this might be something you want to do. And um, they're using Octor in this example, and uh, you know, we've had to work with that before, and that's why I said SAML isn't easy. Um, but yeah, so it's a nice blog post. If it's relevant to you, uh, definitely check that out.
1: And I I saw that Charlie Earhart actually commented sixteen hours ago, and he just said as much in the chat. He's already pointed out that that's probably a typo they want to address. So,
0: yeah, Charlie's on top of it. We know that. (laughs) Okay, cool. So we speaking of podcasts, we have another podcast to announce too. So Jeff Klunkel, who um was actually uh into the box a couple times now, we've spoken, uh had an interview with uh, the cfa live about mental helpers stay sane mm. during the crises and so this probably <laughs> makes a lot of sense right now i know mental health week is in new zealand right now and a lot of people talking about mental health with the pandemic and so this might be yeah. a, a good one to to check out so um <clears throat> there's the you can listen to the podcast or just read the transcript here if you'd like as well so
1: yeah it has the full uh, the text right here which is nice
0: yep so I always like Jeff Sessions. Uh, and if you did get into the box, he had a session there as well. I recommend checking that one out as well. Yeah. Cool. So this was uh, an interesting one. James Moberg talking about auto-generating area label external links using Fusion and JSOOP.
1: I didn't even see this one. And so yeah, this one's interesting because
0: uh, apparently there's, um, I guess some of his clients are getting, you know, Issued warnings and there's lawsuits are being filed, (laughs) apparently because Americans with Disability Act, you know, has all sorts of compliance rules, and so this one here, I guess, there's some changes coming up in a few days um, on the European deadline, Um, but thankfully not for the American one. But basically, you know, there's some rules on how to generate them, and so he sort of walks through this whole process and um, writes a little, you know, some unit test results but basically makes a little function to use Jsoup to go through all the code and add some area uh, labels so if there's a title it'll use that if not it'll make one up Uh, and so it's pretty neat to sort of see the example Um, but yeah so he's got some code here where he basically runs it through the, the function and sees what gets spit out. So,
1: so what exactly is the area label? Because I'll, I'll admit here, I have no flipping clue what that's talking about. I'm just going to put that out there. That's what, for what
0: accessibility stuff. So basically that's like screen readers and everything else. That's uh, what, So
1: what does area mean? What, is that, what does that word come from? Is that the screen reader software or what is that? Um,
0: I don't know. Ismay. <laughs> Ismay always done with all the accessibility whenever we've been working on it. And she was a big... Uh, you know, proponent of that. So I will Google that right now, but yeah.
1: And when I, if I get like a, what the stoop's doing as far as just being able to parse stuff and add attributes, I'm just curious just exactly how it's used. And if it's like a first class feature of Chrome or whatever, or if you have to have like an extension that looks for that special tag.
0: Accessible rich internet applications is what it means. So it basically makes wow. them more accessible and so i know Rich that internet you know,
1: applications 2005 called I want their acronym back
0: yeah so the big thing is you need to have these little you know extra extra little uh attributes to help for accessibility needs and so See, i
1: thought that like the alt text was just like what you would use in a lot of stuff i guess no that's an image these are hrefs aren't they
0: yeah i mean you can use title to right. s- describe it but area there's all sorts of different uh, attributes and depending on what tag it is it has certain requirements that you should be using and so there's basically way more html that you need to add into your normal html to make it work right the big problem we've always had is that when you do that um it doesn't you know it doesn't work well with cms's because the people adding the content don't know how to go and add you know the all that information so yeah
1: i mean honestly that can be kind of a bit of a big burden on on sites yeah, I'm, I'm curious about the uh, the lawsuits being filed. It's yeah. interesting. And so
0: James in the chat said that the, the requirement basically says if it's an external link, you need to have an external link message that tells it that's an external link so it knows that you're leaving that website. That's essentially what the, the issue couldn't, is here.
1: Couldn't the browser detect that automatically simply by looking at the href and determining if it was the same domain as the site you're on? Would you really need to tell it?
0: Mm, well... I don't know apparently you need to say something about it so so yeah but anyways i thought it was a really interesting one because if you're worried about accessibility then you may have missed that and that's something we should all be doing better and there's actually a few podcasts that i've listened to with people who specifically talk about you know these types of you know approaches accessibility and one guy is actually legally blind and so it's really interesting having him talk about browsing the web and he's a developer and stuff and how he lives and just it's just very different you know so it's pretty interesting so i definitely i think it's something we should be more aware of so i thought this was a, a good one to talk about
1: so yeah this is just bordering on political thoughts for me i absolutely agree should be aware of it i think any company that wants to make life easier for the user should be doing this i'm not a fan of government mandates to be honest but I guess this falls into smaller government for me so yeah i don't like the idea of pointing a gun at a business owner and being like we're gonna throw you in prison if you don't add alt tags or whatever like what but yeah should people do it absolutely um but like i said that's more of a political side to it but hey stuff like this makes it easier so yeah thanks to james i mean this could remove a lot of manual work right here
0: yeah but as, as scott said uh in the chat come on brad browsers are stupid and <laughs> james also said you think browser add-ons would provide all the stuff by now but you know obviously not quite and yeah they're still so
1: much so much browsers can do in some cases um i mean they can detect things like is it an external link but if the context of the page doesn't say what the link is i mean the information has to come from somewhere so (laughs) i mean i would have thought the link text should be you know should be sufficient unless the links are all like click here (laughs) if if that's the actual text obviously that's not useful yeah
0: Yeah. Anyway, well, speaking about governments and everything else, uh, mm. Ben Adele, uh said he's uh, in a bit of a loss after the Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, situation, uh, her passing, and so he went to his happy place, which is coding, and so he decided to do some pixel art, and so we'll, we'll skip the we'll skip all the political you know political stuff and basically yeah just we say, probably should yeah. But long story short, um, he's got a pretty cool code here. (laughs) And essentially all of it does is it makes a cool little box, a pixel art boxy drop shadow picture. That's pretty neat. I thought that was kind of cool. So uh, a bunch of box shadows everywhere. So pixels, you know, basically each one drawn a certain size, certain location, different colors. I thought that was pretty neat that he could just write some convolution code to read the image and you know do a seven pixel block size it
1: reminds photo. me a bit of the um of that ascii generator that i had made a while back mm-hmm. um, It basically
0: goes piece by piece through the and figures
1: out what yeah, characters determine each pixel i just saw that charles robertson mentioned my name in the comments i'm trying to figure out what ill is being spoken of me yeah <laughs> i Spin just a command box lucy server
0: I thought it was pretty neat, you know, just going through and you know, using Lucy to get the colors from the image and, and everything. Some magic going on in here, I swear. But uh, again, you know, that's his happy place, and he likes to to play and experiment. Mm-hmm. So if you're wanting to find a happy place, just see how he does. It's kind of cool. I like I I look, that I type of stuff. I look forward to
1: Ben's post making ASCII art of the New Justice once they're installed. <laughs>
0: okay next up we have a, a blog post from andrew dixon and so a, a little while ago i think we spotlighted one of his uh, blog <coughs> posts about you know password hashing and cfml and he mentioned argon2 which i'd never heard of before and to be honest i still don't know what it is i guess it's a library i just haven't heard much about it but um so basically he he wanted to use Argon2 and it wasn't uh, natively supported in CoFusion or Lucy. So we made a ticket and I guess it's in the snapshot branch now that you can now use Argon2 functions in Lucy. And so this is him walking through and using it. Obviously we use Bcrypt for most things, but, um, it's kind of interesting. So if you guys are, you know, can't use Bcrypt for whatever reason, maybe Argon2 isn't one of the specifications that you need to, um, um, you know, basically follow. And I know a lot of agencies have different rules they have to follow and whatnot. Maybe this is a good one for you. So if you want to check this out, um, it's pretty good. Um, Yeah, I guess it's missing a salt though. Salt and pepper? Uh, Apparently, yeah, it's missing the salt parameter for the function and salt is usually required for it, so. So it isn't, uh, you know, he's added them to the ticket, but.
1: Interesting. I, I Let's like, see how Argon works. Like Bcrypt generates its own salt. Like you don't have to provide one, but maybe I'm misunderstanding. Yeah. And what it, might, doing.
0: it might just be one of those, uh, one of those things where they auto generate one for you inside of it. But yeah, but as he's in the conclusion, it's nice to see that Lucy's adding more security functions and, and trying to make this apps more secure,
1: um, and I think that I think this like looking at how it's implemented, it looks along the lines of um of bcrypt. I mean, to generate the the hash, you give it the input a variant, which is the kind of the argon two i, argon two d um parallelism factor, which can like the work factor, memory cost, iterations. So I think bcrypt uh does a better job of simplifying that down. You just give it like a work factor and behind the scenes it figures out. The well you know details it. of iterations or things like that, and then when he checks the hash, it's basically plain input hash and then the variant you're using. So the salt would have to be baked into the hash, I think, from what I'm seeing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um. I like. Uh, I like stuff like this that is. Uh, you know, good for more secure code. Yep. For sure. Oh, I see. So what he's saying is no salt parameters provided. Huh. Yeah, I have to play with it. Yeah. Okay,
0: well, next up, we have the blog post about the last Cobox hero workshops of the year. So, as we mentioned earlier, we have the Zero to Hero that I'm doing <clears throat> on the 8th and 9th, and is on the 22nd and 23rd. And those will be the last two Cobox hero, or Zero to Hero or Hero to Superhero ones for the year. So just want to let you know if you're wanting to get it done before the end of the year, that's your last chance. So don't miss out on that. Okay, now Ben Nadal has also been talking about uh some more SQL stuff. So he's looking at derived tables in this next blog post. And so using derived tables to generate stats for uh for out of query join. Five point six Point four nine, that's interesting i use i've been using 5.7.3 for i don't know 20 years it seems like that's kind of a strange version to be using i wonder why he's using that one anyways because yeah MySQL 8s eight's you know the latest version and but yeah i've just never seen that number anywhere
1: this may be what is what he's using at work i know that they tend to be farther behind on their lucy versions yeah. Um, I mean, whenever, just... whenever Ben blogs something that's like the latest version of Lucy, it's like usually his hobby stuff. And when he blogs something on an older version of Lucy, it's usually something he did for work.
0: Yeah. I just, I mean, like I said, I've been using 5.7.3 for so long. I just, I was wondering why he would be stuck there. But anyway. um, Yeah. So basically a drive table is like a temporary table. And here he shows an example of where he's, you know, joining this, basically a drive table here. He's doing a select from grouping by and then saving it as a a secondary table essentially. And so
1: Yeah, I mean in a good SQL process. optimizer will will hopefully make that perform as, as good as if you had created a temp table, dumped records in it, and then joined to it. And that's what um, he,
0: he mentions it even adds yeah. indexes for the drive table to improve performance. So much better than query queries <laughs> 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 but yeah so it's kind of a, a nice process and you know if you're if you're doing stats and whatnot you may want to look at the sort of drive table approach it definitely can speed things up and be way more performant He um, did mention that in production you probably don't want to have unbounded um, you know unbounded tables um, so full table scans not good don't do it um, but yeah so for the example uh, it works pretty well So I like seeing this, you know, the the SQL stuff that people play with because you get so used to just doing what you know, and you don't really, you know, you don't really go back and say, "I wonder what's new in, you know, SQL these days," or, you know, and I'm using Postgres with Mm -hmm. a client, and they have a whole bunch of uh, interesting features and you know add-ons and everything with their Postgres server, and feel like I gotta go do a Udemy course or something just to (laughs) keep up on uh, all the Postgres stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been using derived tables in the SQL Server for a long time. I don't know how long MySQL supported it.
0: Yep. Okay, well, next up we have um, a blog post from Steve Bryan. Again, he had one last week about the observer function. This one's uh, like basically uh, easy caching cold fusion with MRE cache. And so this one, uh, last week, uh, last week the observer was basically like, a, uh, like interceptors, right? That's what we mentioned. This one's kind of like Cachebox. <laughs> so if you um, basically you're looking at, you know, using caching or whatnot, and you don't want to make your life difficult, this is a uh, basically a set of tools he uh, created. Uh, he calls it MRE Cache. And, I'm trying
1: to forget what that stands for. MRE. I know I
0: was I was looking too, um, but basically, it very similar to using Cachebox in a lot of ways. Uh, It's kind of like a a sit-up. But the interesting thing I thought was um, how the time span, I think it was the time span, actually had an option for things like every other minute or four hours or daily or weekly or monthly every 12 seconds or, you know, had the, the real English language intervals. And I don't think we have that. I know I've built some functions for a client where we wanted things to expire at midnight. And so we had to create a special function to pass in so it could expire at that time or whatever. But, you know, I was wondering if we could maybe add some stuff to Cashbox to improve like the cash expiration type stuff to handle some English language. So, I thought that That's was kind interesting.
1: Of so, looking at the actual source code for MRE cache, which is part of this tools, it says, um, oh, Mr. Ecache is the oh. display name of the component. It says, I'm a handy wrapper for the built in Ecache functionality. It looks like all this is doing is wrapping cache get, cache put, cache get all, ID, all IDs, just the basic CFML functions. And then I think maybe providing some extra kind of functionality and, and checking and time span um, dealing with it. Okay, so he, he he translates like your incoming sentence and then it boils down to an actual, uh, you know, cache put function at the bottom, but it, it kind of bakes the right interval based on your inputs. And that would be an interesting um, implementation. Cache, cache box, of course, allows you to wrap the baked in um, CF cache as well as like, you know, a million other things all behind uh, the, the same API. But yeah, I, just... yeah, I, I kind of like this. Uh, Uh, like
0: until midnight or four hours or daily or yeah i I think it'd be kind of neat just to add something so because how many times
1: have you come across code right and you see like you know cache engine dot put and there's some giant number and you're like oh geez okay what is this you're trying to like reverse engineer the logic of what they're doing you know and if the code was like cache put and then you have like you know interval equals until midnight that would be like a super clear method
0: yeah because i mean their stuff they want to blow away every every night at midnight they get new stuff because they update on a schedule or whatever you know or maybe you have 5 a.m or something you know but yeah have yeah. some number where and you could figure it you out you could
1: do that but you'd have to like get the current time subtract the number of minutes you know from midnight kind of stuff it's not impossible um but yeah i guarantee it wouldn't be as readable yeah we should throw a ticket in for cash box i, I like this kind of stuff yeah, yeah. interval two weeks boom that's pretty yeah. cool.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought. That's pretty neat. You know, obviously, this is a good wrapper if you're not using, you know, Cashbox. But then again, Cashbox can be used in even legacy apps. You know, you don't have to have it inside of GoBox. But I mean, a nice little wrapper here. So I wanted to share that. Yeah. But yeah, it got me thinking, you know. So yeah, we should definitely do a ticket. So, Luis, if you're listening, uh, I expect this down by the time you, this is published.
1: MRE Cash. Yeah, looking at his code sample where he has the the M capitalized, the E capitalized, and the C capitalized, it's obviously Mr. Cash. But when you look at it, <laughs> if you, you just look at it all over case, you see my cache That's hilarious.
0: Yeah, pretty funny. But that wraps up our blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. But So next up, we have Find a Job. So uh, Brad's been very busy. I mean, how many interviews you got this week? Like 800?
1: Yeah, roughly.
0: So Autodesk is hiring a senior Cold Fusion developer, and we've had a good uh, good response. So thanks to everyone who's been responding. Brad is working diligently to interview everybody, uh, and so in the world, yeah, in the world. <laughs> so uh, if you go to slash about us careers you can find out more about that. But we also have getcfmljobs.com, which is a, a community-run uh, site and it has a lot of Cold Fusion jobs and it scrapes them from various locations. And we have one new one this week, ColdFusion uh, developer remote at Scottsdale, Arizona, full-time position. And if you see a little more information here. Um, it says remote, so. Yep. It's looking for five to seven years of solid experience. Um, communication skills are important. Well,
1: Eric can't apply
0: yeah i know (laughs) so geologics is a 30 year old technology services company in alexandria virginia interesting but they got offices all over so you'd be working for the scottsdale
1: one yeah it's funny it doesn't really say anything about the version of cold fusion or lucy i assume it's adobe that they're using yeah so
0: interesting
1: (coughs) there you go check it out yep scottsdale arizona looks like it's remote work so
0: Yep. And then uh, if you're looking for a job, they also have 23 other positions that are listed from 14 companies across 11 locations in five countries since July 1st. So quite a lot of uh, jobs there, if you're looking. Uh, And of course, the oldest one is available still. We're interviewing right now. So if you want that, don't miss out. And uh, the way we're as busy as we've been lately, we'll probably need somebody else anyway. So we'll definitely keep all the information for everyone applying for this one because we might need some more busy busy okay so next up we have forgebox module of the week and this one actually got you a little uh, a little tweet about it so let's talk about that first so travis peters tweeted for all you command box lovers out there we've dropped a new module to replace bump and would be totally okay with bump getting these upgrades and so <laughs> um this is travis peters and actually Sif. Boland. Poland, yeah. Seth Boland is the one that actually published this package. So semver, so as you mentioned, it's replacing the bump command. So instead of doing bump dash dash minor or bump dash dash major, bump dash dash patch, etc., cetera, uh, they've added a slightly different uh, syntax here. But basically, it's doing the same type of stuff as what bump does, but with a couple of additions, maybe.
1: Uh, yeah, it's a fun little uh, experiment they've done there. Um, so, I mean, this is what's kind of fun about being able to extend command box is, you know, if you want to take do your own take on something like bumping a version, you know, they've written this as a standalone module that contributes its own commands and its own namespace, um, you know, and they can drop it in, you can drop it in, um, you can use their implementation. Um, so one of the things that they added is the ability to bump uh, pre-release versions. That's something the built-in bump command doesn't have. So a pre-release ID is like, dash alpha or dash beta dot one or dash rc those are all pre-release ids um so that's some of the functionality they have in there that the the built-in bump command doesn't have in command box so yeah i'd love if they wanted to uh maybe boil some of that into a pull request um they've done a few things a little differently in their version um uh like the way they're they're committing the know the box.json is a little bit different they don't tag the versions like the built-in bump command does. But it's definitely a a fun little experiment in what it you know looks like to build your own version of a of a built in command that you can use uh instead of and what's interesting is um if they wanted to, they could even announce the same interception announcements that the built in bump command has and it would automatically fire all the same package scripts as well so that's
0: um, a good point yeah. yeah so i mean it's it's definitely interesting. I looked at the code and yeah I mean it was kind of fun, it looked like they just basically started from scratch, which is Was pretty neat. I like the I like the way they they approach some of it. Um, Obviously though, just a point for anyone who's building their own module or package like this, uh, all the code inside your command box directory uh, a lot of the stuff that Brad's already done, there's a lot of built-in helpers you know, uh, part of the The workshop I'll do later in the week is we, you know, try and utilize utilities and libraries and and stuff like that. And so there's a lot of things in there which can save you some headaches, too. So, um, you know, look at some of the things that Brad's done and some of the other modules and, you know, make the use of all those little built-in helpers that he has. There's a lot of pretty cool ones in there. So just a side note. Usually what I do is I copy paste one of Brad's and then I mutilate it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it kind of goes almost goes back to your workshop on don't repeat yourself. You know, um, I found myself reading and writing JSON files a lot in command box. So I created a JSON service that helps manage writing a, you know, a formatted JSON file. Um, You know, I needed to be able to parse semantic versions. So command box has a semantic version library that can parse semantic versions. I needed to call, you know, git commands. I didn't want to require a user to have a git CLI. So command box has, you know, a jgit library with bundle will let you do git commands. So, um, you know, I definitely, if I find myself doing the same kind of thing two or three places, it's like, all right, how can we, how can we abstract out some generic functionality so we're not copying and pasting the same stuff everywhere? Um, yeah, anyway.
0: For sure. But yeah, that was neat. Uh, cool to see. And then, uh, yeah, definitely... Definitely try, check that out. And they say if they want to bring it back to the bump one, they say I have a pull request and it's good to have code like this. We can actually, you know, work it out. And sometimes if you want something in a, in a module, it's nice to sort of build something like this, sort of a proof of concept and make sure it actually works the way you want. And then you can sort of do it. Cause half the time you build something, you're like, oh, that's not quite what I wanted and you <laughs> end up changing things up. So, uh, it's pretty cool to see. So uh, yeah, it's good to see community members, you know, like wanting to improve things too and sharing with the community. So thanks, guys, for that. We appreciate Absolutely. it. Okay, so next we up, we CS have a,
1: code hint, tip, and trick. Hero icons. Do, th- do these make you an actual hero when you use them?
0: They do. <laughs> <laughs> so these are actually based. I believe these are the base uh, ones based off of. Um, the Tailwind UI, Steve Stroger, yeah, he made says, the hero icons. Yeah, it says beautiful
1: so. handcrafted SVG icons by the makers of Tailwind CSS.
0: Yep, so this is built on the shoulders of this project.
1: Gavin has some fun construction going on at his house today, so. Yep, sorry about that. His they, sound effects. They just
0: got right above <laughs> my head at the right time, so. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: good times yeah they have tons of icons like i'm still scrolling here i haven't even reached the bottom of the page and these are all svg nice and the so, cool thing is
0: yeah it has a little tab you can search for it right inside vs code with this this command palette
1: so d- does this use the icons in your actual vs code uh ui or uh is this a helper for you to use these icons in the apps you're building with VS Code?
0: I think it's so you can just use them in your app. So when you can select them.
1: Okay. All right. So this is the helper that lets you kind of easily add it in. They have a little animated GIF of like that shows somebody using it. And it's so stinking tiny. I can't see. I can't see what the animated GIF is doing. So. All right. Well, that's cool. Gavin keeps muting himself because he has some construction <laughs> happening uh, on his roof. That's all good. Um, well, that's pretty cool though. So hero icons by the makers of, uh, of Tailwind. I like that.
0: Yep. Very cool. All
1: right. Well, that's that's it. I think we're all the way down to uh, thanking the Patreon supporters, the individuals uh, personally supporting our open source initiatives so yeah, we thank, thank you, you to everyone that helps with uh command box and forage box and cold box and box box and Luis box and the podcast all yep, of this for
0: sure so brad you can do it in case they get busy with that drill on top of my head again
1: yeah you did it last time so thank you to our current patreon supporters ben Nadell, brett Deline, carl von stetten charlie earhart dolly dan card daniel garcia david bellinger ddr lishnicki Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Incarla Gomez, Jan Yannick, Jason Diger, Jeff McLean, Jeremy Adams, Jonas Erickson, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamory, Kai Koenig, Laxma T., Mario Rodriguez, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Ryan Hughes, Scott Steinbeck, Sean Oden, Steven Klotz, Synaptrix, and Yogesh Mathur. Yep. ever-growing list thank you everyone
0: yep and autosolutionscom slash about us slash sponsors has all of those names and they're pretty little pictures too so if you guys want to go check them out you can and
1: you'll lose links to find out more about supporting us on patreon and i, I see th- their pictures there it looks like several of them shop at the same superhero store they have almost identical capes <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah well that's the thing if you come to our, uh come to our workshops you'll want to go get a cape because you'll feel so cool
1: <laughs> and you'll want the VS Code hero icons.
0: Yep, you need those. So, uh, Luis, you need to add those to your list. <laughs> okay, well, thank you, everybody. Uh, thanks for the great week. Sorry about the little bit of noise. Snuck at the end, they just started a little earlier than they should have today. But a lot of great stuff. Don't forget, CF Online Meetup on Thursday, my workshop on uh, webinar on Friday. Lots of great things to do. And, Will, you didn't get the cape. Uh, maybe you didn't uh probably custom stole it sorry
1: <laughs> <laughs> all all I can think of is the the lady on the um incredible's movie what what's her name edna so i was like no capes
0: <laughs>
1: voiced by brad bird i believe one of the producers oh really the biggest character it's really yeah. funny.
0: cool well okay well everybody have a great week thank you and we'll see you next week
1: Bye-bye. Bye bye bye
0: Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.